0: It's all about, the way I've always thought about it is just, and this sounds super hippy dippy, but like, I mean, it's, we're motivated by love. We're motivated by preserving what we love, by creating more of what we love and by helping what we love. So it's all about connecting our behavior to what we love and hoping and trying to connect that to these social goods.
1: Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Before we spoke, Seth implied that he didn't do as much on his challenge as he expected. So I told him I expected a short conversation, but I asked him still to do it. I want listeners to hear that even people who do amazing things like win Nobel Prizes and take on global thermonuclear war still have a hard time, they can still have a hard time reducing their waste even when they want to. That's not to say they always do, sometimes it comes easy. Now, I'm not claiming this always easy, though I do believe that everyone who does so, everyone who acts on their environmental values, will find their actions rewarding, they'll be glad that they did them, and that they very likely will not revert back to what they were doing before that was needlessly wasting things. We ended up having a wonderful conversation about all sorts of different ways of motivating people. So it was a rich and full conversation and went on longer than a short conversation. I hope that you'll enjoy this inside view of how people work on global problems and at the same time, local grassroots efforts, even for someone globally recognized for his work. I'll put the links on the page to the Mountain Dew teeth videos, horrifying as they are, but I think they'll create new ways of looking at our environmental actions that cut closer to home. I just don't recommend looking at the videos if you're about to sleep or eat But to look at them seriously and compare them to what we're doing to our environment the next time we look at litter or a plastic-strewn Pacific Island or something like that. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Sporak. I'm here with Seth Sheldon. Seth, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very good. And uh, just before we hit record, you're telling me about a, a little preview of what's to come from your challenge. But then we were talking about all these other things of North Korea and nuclear weapons. And what were you we just talking about that, that I said, let's start recording? Uh,
0: we were talking about so many things I don't remember.
1: This is the funniest thing. You know, when someone interrupts me, I get really angry. Uh,
0: you were talking about the notion that, that so many people in the space that you think about don't lead by example. They talk about what needs to happen... And then they themselves say, but for me, I have to do this. I need to fly or I need to, you know, whatever it is that, that that undermines the message.
1: Yeah. And so I think we have a world full of people who all feel like everyone should change, but not me. What I do is actually important enough. And I think they follow the leadership. There are a few people in the world who are living by their environmental values and, and by the values that would uh, sustain the earth's ability to sustain life as much as possible. But they're not. I don't see them in leadership positions. I don't see them maybe influencing on a very small scale. And then of the people who are in leadership positions, who other people follow, no one's doing it. And I think they think that they're leading people to do what they say. But I think that they're leading people to do what they do, which is to say, yes, I really shouldn't do this thing, have such a big house, fly, whatever. But In this case, it's okay. And so we have a nation full of people who are thinking, well, the environment is important, but I don't know. My my kid's safety is more important, so I'm going to buy this SUV instead of the smaller car. And because that's what, if you look at inconvenient truth, that's what he's doing. So that's in the nation, but also the world. And I think people who can afford it are just like, well, yeah, my thing doesn't really matter, so it's okay. So we got a world full of people all saying, my thing doesn't really matter, so it's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I generally am loath to... Uh, indict people on an, especially on an individual basis, for that kind of, well, you could say hypocrisy, but also just failure to, to do what they say needs to be done. I think it is hard. I mean, I think people. I find for myself, you know, it's it's hard to make changes as a consumer that that support the ideals I may have. And so I'm careful. I, you know, I think I'm always like a relativist about it. <laughs> you know, calling out other people for it, and a reason that I do think, like, you know, the real change. We, we're we're talking about as uh, a society making these incremental changes, and we need to make as well to, to borrow Elizabeth Warren's sort of call for big structural change, at the government level at the, you know, to to. But I definitely hear you. I mean, I think like. If we were able to inspire a movement of consumers and citizens who behaved better, that would be incredibly, monumentally important to reversing the the environmental challenges,
1: I'm sure. Well, one of the big things I have to adjust is that I I hope that I'm not sounding like indicting. And if, if the change were the burden on everyone's life that the world, that the media, that everyone seems to present it as, like you have to work to do these changes. You really don't want to, but you have to. That message, I think, like the, the title of my book that I'm kind of playing with is everybody gets the most important stuff about the environment wrong or what everybody gets wrong about the environment is that the most important thing to me is what we do about it. And as long as the message is you don't want to do it, people are going to be like, all right, well, maybe I'll do this one little thing, but I really don't want to do it. So don't talk to me about more. And what I want to get across, why I cooked for you. Yeah. It's delicious. It's great. It's the, the opposite of flying is not crying at what you're missing. It's community. It's the people around you. The opposite of packaged food is not hunger. It's the richness and complexity of the flavors of vegetables and textures and things like that. And it's knowing your farmer and things like that. Now, go to a kid who's knee-deep in Ben and Jerry's and give that kid a bit of broccoli. And the kid's going to... This is... Sick. You, you, you get, what, is it sawdust? But... Most of us, at some point, make some transition away from straight-up candy and ice cream into broccoli and so forth. And most people, it, you don't have to put on a seatbelt. And most people go their whole lives never being in an accident where a seatbelt would make a difference. But we've, somehow, we've transitioned from when I was a child. And if you told someone to put on a seatbelt, they'd be like, ah, don't tell me what to do. It's a free country. That's what I remember. And, we had, you know, we'd, uh, surgeon generals recommending particular brands of cigarettes and now that's simply unacceptable on the cigarette front and in seatbelts you just put it on and most people don't really know it's a mix of legislation it's a mix of technology certainly seatbelts are much easier to use today than they were when i was a kid you had to like those big blocky things that you had to and i don't want to say that what exactly what worked there is what will work here but the magnitude of change i think is is similar and so i don't want to indict i when i'm walking along with someone down the street and i go oh look at that garbage on the street I got to fix up my language here because I'm not condemning. It's more like seeing, I don't know. What comes to mind is like, I saw something special about how, uh, it was like Mountain Dew in the South. And there's like 10 year old kids, whose teeth are just rotted through because they drink Mountain Dew every day. And so if you see the teeth, I don't think you think that's a kid's a bad kid. I think you think you're missing out. Like if you think Mountain Dew is worth it, like, there's a lot in life that you're missing out on. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, maybe this is, like, it's like Mountain Dew Teeth. I think they have a name for it. Like, I forget. Have you seen the shows? Or have you, no, no, I don't know. This. Don't. I mean, don't if you want to sleep at night. It's, like, really horrible. This The look of the teeth all rotted out. That's what we're doing with our land and water and air. And I don't want to condemn people. I want to invite them. I want to engage them and, and offer them the feeling of, of life without that. When I first started cooking from scratch, it was really not delicious. I would not have invited someone over. It was steamed broccoli, salt, pepper, maybe some vinegar or some other herbs. Not really anything to invite people over for, but I stuck with it. You know, people keep asking me for like, what's the recipe? How do you make this stew? How do you do what you do? And I keep telling them, here's what you do. It's not, I don't know the mix of vegetables and legumes and stuff. That changes every time. It's like kind of by eye. Hmm. What I do is I say, I'm not going to buy packaged food for a week. And I'm going to see, I'm going to figure it out. And I think everyone who does it can, they'll figure it out for themselves. Because what I like, my tastes for the specific flavors is unique to me. People seem to like what I make, but not everyone. And everyone's got their own thing. It's just the same as, like, how do you raise a child? Yeah, there are books and general guides to it, but you've got to have a child. If, you, if we had to plan children, how to raise children before we had children, there wouldn't be many kids around. you just got to have that child. And then you're going to get poop on your hands. Yes, you're going to get poop on your hands. And then they're going to walk down the aisle. They're going to get their diploma. They're going to do that piano recital. And it's all going to be worth it, I guess. I'm not a father. You know, I'm an uncle. And... That's what I would offer. So if when when I have very influential people on this on the show, or if I'm on their shows or something like that, I think that if LeBron is on here and he shares what he cares about environmentally, I think people will be like, "Wow, I didn't know that he cared. I didn't know that that meant something to him." And then when I say, "What can you do to act on it?" and he says something, and then if he's on the second time and the second time he says, "If it happens that I, how I expect it will happen," but he will say, oh, "I'm glad I did that. I spent more time with my I don't know if he has kids or whatever." whatever he would do, I think he will like it more than he expected. And I think that people at home will say, all right, LeBron's doing it. It's time I do it. Mm. Yeah. And not to copy him, but to discover what he discovered. And so I don't think he's a bad person in any, by any stretch, no matter what he's doing environmentally. I just think he's got other issues and he's doing pretty well. I think he's making a lot of people happy. I can't really knock that. I think he'd like also, if we lived in a different era and we had lots more earth to expand into and there was questions about how long we had and so forth and it was not front page news almost every week, then I would say, you know, maybe there's a chance that we'll get out of this. You know, what we've been saying for a long time, what I grew up, the world I grew up in. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And I think now it really is, there's an opportunity that I think that if someone acts today, a very influential person, a LeBron, a Brock, an Elon, a Serena, you know, a Merkel, whatever, anywhere around the world, they have the potential to start and and be more influential than all the scientists and educators and and legislators and and journalists to date have been effective at, because they're actually going to do something and share joy and expose, I think that they will expose that, oh, this is worth giving a shot. Yeah. I mean, it's possible I'll come back and be like, you know what, their lives are so awesome for them that they don't want to change. And then I will have to adjust my... I mean, I'm a scientist. If, if the world is out there and I predict one thing and the world has something different, i got to change my perspective because the world is the data. That's
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, well, it, it is difficult to convince someone who has the means to do it that they don't want to go to Cabo San Lucas on, a, on a, the next day for whatever mm-hmm. reason they want to go. I think, you know, some of them are very are very challenging, but what you're talking about to me, and you give the seatbelt example, is is sort of a change that comes from uh, a partnership between or the, these converging paths of, of change among leadership, among citizens, and among laws, and these create normative change in general. Like with seatbelts, all of those things had to happen for us to change our behavior. I mean, we needed to have changes in the way they were made. We needed to have people believe that they wanted to do it because it kept them safer. And we needed to have laws that did something to potentially penalize people. And it's uh, If they didn't do it, and now it's a combination of those things that might affect someone's behavior and who knows which. It's a black box sometimes. Certainly in our work, we, we talk about the same thing. I mean, when it comes to changing the problem and the threat of nuclear weapons, we talk about how... We need both changes in uh, you know national law and changes in international law and changes in grassroots activism uh, and consciousness among people and like the person who you walk down the street with and you say, "Look at that trash sometimes that's even it 's not about making them do anything it 's just about making people become aware, that actually shifts the tide on all of those in a way that's almost like unscientifically knowable what, it, what that change was. And we we have the same thing. I mean, that, that's what norms are all about, right? It's just that who knows how, which aspect of it changes which aspect of it, but it's all about shifting the way we think and the uh, ideals we have around these questions. And yeah, I agree with you that uh, a LeBron taking a stand on something like that is, is
1: a big part of that. I'm just trying to think of, like, oh, how could we do the, apply that? If LeBron gave up his nuclear weapons, maybe others would too. No, which... but for
0: him, it would be, you know, like, we had and we have, you know, many celebrities who are part of the movement who say things that make people pay attention. I mean, and, and it's more uh, them calling attention to the issue that many people don't even know is an issue. And uh, helping them understand the potential solutions, that's, that's the big game changer for us. And that's, and for, I think, for the environment and for all, almost
1: all causes. So how, I'm kind of curious about the, your strategy must have evolved, it must be constantly evolving over time as different players react differently, as different opportunities come and go, as different people get elected. Is that the case or is it, or maybe there was just tactical changes, but the strategy remains the same?
0: Yeah, it's more, you know, the objective remains the same. It's, it's, for our perspective, it's abolition. It's creating a new norm against nuclear weapons. But yes, the strategy uh, changes depending on, you know, before we had the treaty, we had to work differently toward the treaty. Now it's all about this treaty and raising people's awareness of this this option and the way it can actually uh, be used to change change societal norms around around possession and, and threat of use and manufacturing and all of this.
1: One of the things that I try to offer, I haven't yet sat down with Oprah or her producers, but I would like to offer that she, should she or her peer appear on the podcast or do a special with me, then I believe that she'll help create a legacy. Whoever's the first one to make this big do what no one else is doing yet and say, you know, for a year, I'm going to live this way or something like that. Yeah. I think that legacy, that's like a, not just generations or even centuries. That's like, if we pull out of this mess and it's because of, and someone does that first, I think that's the legacy that could go down for a long time. Yeah. Like much bigger than a scoring trophy for NBA, if it happens to be LeBron and what do they have to do is simply act on their values, like enjoy themselves. Yeah. And yes, they have to give up some things, but that's pretty quick the feeling of giving up is pretty quick. It's quickly replaced by what you replace it with. So for me, it's home-cooked food trumps eating out. And Mm -hmm. if if Cabo San Lucas was what they could have done, maybe if they replace it with going to the farm, a nearby farm and doing something, like I think that they'll find this is really wholesome and they'll start gardening or something like that. You know, Oprah, LeBron, they seem like they might enjoy gardening. (laughs) You know, if that's their thing, it'd have to be based on their thing. I can't tell them what they will like. And so for a mere matter of sharing with the world something that they enjoy, they get a legacy that lasts for a long, long time. Is there something like that, that you offer individuals or nations if they sign a treaty? Is there like a bonus for them? Not a bonus, but it's like a... Do you get what I'm asking?
0: So many things. I mean, there's the practical issue of, uh, hey, how much money are you spending on a on uh, on this on your nuclear weapons industry that you could be spending on anything else? and And that's that's a very obvious t- line of uh, attack for for states, but also for individuals. I mean, if you went to, you know, anyone with a pension plan and said, you know how much money you're investing in nuclear weapons, that you could be investing in social goods, that you could be investing in, you know, anything else that would have equivalent returns or something, you know, that, that might be as well appealing to them on a different tack. But yeah, so states, I think one of the most compelling aspects of, or arguments that we've had for a lot of states relates to the being on the right side of history and the, the moral uh, being in the moral right uh, by by forswearing nuclear weapons is a very obvious one and uh, brings a lot of satisfaction to lawmakers to know that they're supporting what they know to be right and similar again taken to the individual level that's a, that's a similar thing people throw up their hands as individuals about a lot of these big big international issues that they're like, how can I affect change here? But first of all, in smaller states where you have a, a, the representative democracies in smaller states where you can much more easily affect change because they can speak more directly to their leaders as individuals, there's a huge incentive and a huge reward for them to actually make their case and then see a result. And on mass here too, we have to convince people that there's things that they can do as individuals that are immediately rewarding in this regard, that they get results. I mean, last week uh, is an opportunity for me to say, I suppose, that in New York, we've been working on this for over a year now, but we just um, introduced new city council legislation that does a number of things around nuclear weapons from New York's perspective. It has yet to be uh, adopted. And we're in the process right now of corralling council members and getting our grassroots networks to work on the council members. So if New Yorkers are listening, they should ask their city council member to support the last Wednesdays just introduced... Danny Drum package of legislation on nuclear weapons. It's uh, resolution number 976 and INT number 1621. And I can tell you what these do. Like, they're very exciting to us, but they're real change. I mean, and and, and again, like things that we can really make a difference on. We've already seen it. Like, just uh, council members are very responsive to their constituents and even individuals. So, uh, you know, the, the these bills would do A number of things, including reaffirming New York City as a nuclear weapon free zone. You know, until like until the 80s, we had nuclear weapons in New York City's harbor. And
1: I'm sorry, did you say until the 80s, we had nuclear weapons in New York City's harbor, like submarines or the aircraft carriers? Yeah, and-
0: yeah, and fleet week, this nukes would come in. You know, New York, first of all, New York has an enormous legacy and connection to the nuclear Manan weapons Project, industry. Yeah. It wasn't called the Manhattan Project for nothing, yeah. it's it is a uh. A very strong connection to the nuclear weapons were developed uh, in large part in New York, with scientists in New York, yeah, Columbia. Columbia. The actual, they were actually, you know, uh, fissile materials were uh, developed here and they continue to uh, have environmental impacts. Uh, there's, you know, from storage houses in Chelsea to up at Columbia where they were, they had football teams moving uranium, yeah. you know, around. I mean, there's all kinds of individual and environmental harms that. Uh, continued to affect New Yorkers from that time. And so that's part of what led to activism in New York that, that, that resulted in, the, in 1982. That was the biggest American protest in history before the Women's March was the 1982 anti-nuclear protest in Central Park. And that's what led to the nuclear weapon-free zones being initiated in New York and this, um, this movement to say, we want no part of this, and uh, yes, things like, uh, as far as we know, the Navy has since respected New York's New York's uh, nuclear weapon free zone. This is just one element of what this bill would do: is is to to reaffirm the nuclear weapon free zone. It would also the law that's the 1621, the INT 1621, would uh, set up a nuclear weapon free zone advisory committee uh, in cooperation with the mayor's office that would. Uh, do all kinds of things, including uh, to evaluate, study, and report on the nuclear weapon-free zone status of, the, of New York and make recommendations for policy and would provide educational programming and, uh, around some of these things that, uh, that we're talking about relating to you know, New York's legacy uh, in the nuclear weapons industry and our commitment to, to changing what's been happening and other things that, these resolution, that this resolution and bill would do is the resolution calls for divestment of New York City's five pension funds mm-hmm. from nuclear weapon producers and companies that maintain nuclear weapons. And uh, and not, not least of all, uh, it brings New York, uh, it has New York join the ICANN City Appeal, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons City Appeal, which exists especially in uh, nuclear armed states and umbrella states to affirm or to call uh, to say that the city, the people of the city support the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons and call on their federal government to support and to sign and ratify the treaty.
1: So I'm equal parts fascinated and excited at what low level, you know, down to the individual person level people can do to make a difference. Right. It's not obvious. Like, I'm sorry if I'm sounding like I should know better. But you'd think, I, I naively would have thought, you know, only top echelons of government can make a difference. Of course, people can protest, but I felt like that didn't really actually make much of a difference. Oh. And then when I think of the prospect, the decision to put a nuclear weapon in one of the most populated cities, I mean, the, in, in America, the most po- the United States, the most populated city, that makes it a target, of course.
0: And I should say, what's not just, I mean, there are all kinds of examples we could go through. I mean, it's not just Navy subs. We, we had ICBMs in Fort Tilden in the army bases there. We had nuclear weapons had presences all over New York City. Of course it makes it a target. Not to say that New York isn't still a target, but... but Not before, a military before. target. Yeah. Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah, exactly. I can see why they would do it. I mean, I guess people would want to show off the weapons and stuff, and I guess now the president wants to do that more, of writing right. things around. Uh, but now going back to my question of... of What's in it for the individual is like, oh, your home isn't going to be a target or you're not going to be within like you're not going to be right off of ground zero uh, for when there's an attack. Yeah. Not that I think it's any better to have them off in Nebraska, but.
0: No, this is what makes it a local issue. I mean, you, you say like New Yorkers could at least say we don't want them here. OK, mm-hmm. if, even if you even if you are a, a hawk, some kind of you know, person who believes in this crazy deterrence myth. You could maybe say, well, I don't want them here, which is, you know, of course, ridiculous anyway. But I mean, then, and then let Nebraska fight them on their own until we have this movement of local localities that all don't want them to the point where we build a norm against having them anywhere. That's fine. You know, that's the tack we want to take. But yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, New Yorkers, if nothing else moves them, you would hope at least they would say, like, I don't want them here. Yeah. You know? And I don't want the city to be a target.
1: And another thing, I happen to have here this retirement fund letter. It's not that important, but I'm thinking, can I call them up and say, what options are there that it's not nuclear?
0: Mm, you, is that- sh- you sure can. I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, don't bang on the bomb. The report that's published by PAX is this movement all around the world that deals with this question. How do we get our money uh, as citizens? How do we get our money out of the nuclear weapon industry? And the people who work there, Susie Snyder and Micah Bannis all talk about how, you know, like how effective that is as even if you don't have a pension fund, just walking into your, your bank. And saying hi, I, or a bank, any bank, just well a bank you don't belong to, and say I'm thinking about opening up an account here. Can you tell me what your weapons policy, your controversial weapons policy is? Mm-hmm. And then they say I actually don't know off the top of my head. Let me get back to you. And then they report to their administration, that's or you know to management that someone's asked, and they get the policy. And you and you know that's this stuff is hugely it's hugely impactful. They like they respond. In the very capitalist way to... Or losing money. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and to be seen as doing the right thing where they can. And these things have proven to be impactful.
1: You know, it's funny. I was was just, I think yesterday or the day before, talking to Tia Nelson, whose father started uh, Earth Day. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how she was just kind of casually saying she'd like to see uh, in a cell phone to know all the materials that are in it and under what conditions they were made. And I remarked how if it, right now, when you buy packaged food, it has an ingredient list. If that weren't there, I think in today's political climate, it would be anti-American. A lot of people would present it as as like horrible to put the ingredient list in there. Like, oh, we, we have to protect trade secrets and so forth. As it happens, we have ingredient lists. And it seems like capitalism to me is any market system for to sustain and endure and serve the people you got to make informed decisions. I mean, if I'm buying something and it's actually poisonous, I can't make an informed decision on that. And if I care about generations ago, it probably would have been impossible to buy something that harmed people in its manufacture or that what came out of it... I mean, I guess people could like lose a finger in a sawmill, but not like... I guess that's pretty bad. (laughs) But I, I guess there's like the jungle and things like that. But you couldn't... There wasn't plastic. There wasn't this dioxin and stuff that was really... They can poison for generations. And so you didn't need to know. And you could say, in today's world, that's not the case. It's, it, there's a pretty good chance that I got a computer in front of me and a cell phone. You got a computer. You got a cell phone. I got food wrapped in plastic over there. And it's pretty safe to conclude that all of these things hurt people and probably unnecessarily. So now I'm thinking these investment funds, I guess the ones that don't invest in Pollution and weapons and things like that will say, will clearly. But maybe there's like a, a law to be passed to say financial uh, consumers need to make informed decisions. Just like when you buy food, you got to know what's in it. When you buy financial instruments, you got to know what's in it. When you buy manufactured goods, you got to know. That seems to me, yes, it's regulation, but not. It's like if you want a level playing field, you need rules. Yeah. I grew up. Do you read Calvin and Hobbes when you were a kid? Yeah. Do you remember Calvin Ball? No. They would get, it was just like Calvin and Hobbes would play a game and the rules would change second to second.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like one would be like, I just scored a touchdown. And the other guy, then the other one would say, but it's Tuesday. And that means we switch goals every time. And that means you scored a touchdown for me. And then he would say, ah, but it's, uh, it's the third Thursday of the month. And so that means it's actually negative points. And so, yes, I scored a negative points. So, you know, they just do like that. And then they get into fights. Great comic strip. I don't think that would make a great. I'd rather watch a, a game with rules. And to me, I'd rather play it in, in a in a, in a world with rules. I don't know. This is all my regulations in some circles gets a bad name. Right. But no one wants Calvin Ball in, to, to replace the World Series. You want people to play by the rules. Yeah, yeah. I can't stand it. I like. I barely watch soccer because they take dives. And it's one thing to try to get away with a foul in basketball, it's another, but it's, that's like trying to get it so that the ref doesn't see it. But taking a dive in soccer is, you know that you're not injured. You, only you know. And then to act like you were injured is like, that's not the same thing as trying to sneak something by. It's outright lying.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, you do see it in basketball too, I think, but somehow there's a different norm. Around it, like it's, people are shamed for doing it in a way that they're not in soccer. It seems to me, maybe that's what it's about. Is again, just how we react and how we process bad behavior as consumers, and and so I don't know where they. Well, I don't know where this all, how this all connects together exactly, but I do think that. You know, you you speak about transparency and, like, uh, and labeling, essentially, or... uh, Informed decisions. People making informed decisions and and people... uh, And forcing forcing people to play by the rules and using capitalism to make sure that happens, really, as consumers.
1: And, you know, I'm also thinking in the back of my mind that before we hit record, I said, oh, usually the second episode's shorter because... (laughs) I'm... Totally fascinated by our conversation. But let's get to you, if, if that's okay. Yeah, We're sure, v- sure. leaving open loose threads. I apologize, but that's the nature of these conversations. So, you took on a challenge about your eating habits. Mm. What, what was your challenge? Oh my gosh,
0: now it's been a while. So, am I getting it right? Was it to eat no red, no red meat? I think okay. it was that. Yeah.
1: What was, the, what was the value it was coming from? Because soccer fields, back to soccer. You talked about your childhood growing up. Right and your connection to nature wasn't so great.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, look, I think that if we think about environmentalism, I think meat eating is a scourge. And I think as a, as consumers eating less meat, uh, especially, you know, especially less red meat, although I know that there's there's problems with all kinds of meat in different disproportionate ways. But it's from everything I understand, not being an expert, that that would make a a big difference. So, wanting to do my part with that. How did it connect to running around in soccer fields? I can't remember actually. Uh, I just I think that question from you was, uh, "What is my like an idyllic time from my childhood?"
1: Well, what does he, what do you when you think about the environment? What do you think
0: about? What is it? Mm, right, that's right. <laughs> and I was saying how how I didn't as a as a native Brooklyn, I didn't actually really experienced the environment in the ways that we, many people think about it. So that was like my idea of what.
1: The milk came from stores. Where where else would it come from? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I
0: had, I was not, I mean, I was intellectually aware of a lot of things that I wasn't emotionally aware of, I think being an urbanite. So yeah, that's, uh, that was
1: what I said. So my read that the listeners can't see, but I, I feel like you're about to say something like, I didn't really do very much. Yeah. Yeah. How did it go? How long has it been? A month. Mm -hmm. Was it a month? Also, I think the city council thing you were talking about was why we didn't meet last week. That's right. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. And I wanted to postpone because uh, there's been a lot going on with that. So Uh, how did it go? I would say that I did not do a perfect job and it's possible that I did a better job than I usually do. Now, Keep in mind that, like, I already have an ethic around, like, you know, not seeking out meat. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be relatively easy. But the challenge was when someone offers it to me or it's, like, right in front of me, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I do not think I performed excellently in this regard. I mean, I had a bunch of situations where, like, in one case I was, I had to stay, I was being hosted by someone, I was just in California for a week, and she would make all kinds of food and I would just eat it. I think, and also I haven't always been conscious of the promise, so that's...
1: You have or have not? Have not, not. Uh yeah.
0: Because I just have had so much going on that it's not, this has not been in the forefront of my brain. So I'm not an awesome performer in this regard.
1: So first things first, I appreciate your sharing. Some people contact me and they say, I don't want to do it because I didn't do my thing. Yeah, right. Then sharing it, I think... For I think they find that I connect open, honest communication of personal things, something that leaders do that that people who don't do that wish they could. That's in order to become more of a leader. If I'm deferring my judgment to someone, following someone as a leader and when the chips are down, I don't know what they're going to do. That's when I need leadership most. So I think that openness, I, I look up to that. And thank you for that. Mm. And I think also for the listeners, I think I want them to hear that you're doing lots of amazing stuff in the world. That doesn't mean that the next thing's any easier for you than it is for anybody else. And I want them to hear that, you know, as I, as I say, like, I'm not trying to create a Disney version here of like, just do this and everything's fine. And I'm certainly not saying, oh, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. People keep thinking when I say individual action, somehow they attach Exclusive of everything else, and in no way am I saying stop doing other things. For you know, that's an aside. That's not. But right about us, right here, right now. So to the extent, how, how much was it on your mind? Because I'm, I'm wondering how did it feel when you did do stuff. Yeah,
0: there were a couple of times I think that I might have. And again, I'm, I'm just talking about a handful of times. Probably I can't remember honestly. It's a lot, a lot's happened this month. But there were. I do recall like a couple of times being like, ah, this was. This is not what I promised to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, to try to do, but but you know, I'm doing it. So it wasn't my consciousness to suck a few times at least. There were definitely times when I'm I, I, I concede that I probably didn't think twice, like at a at some reception or whatever, where I just ate a wiener dog or something <laughs> off of a off of a cocktail plate and didn't even think about it.
1: I want to try something with you that I haven't tried before, which is to go back and in this conversation, it seemed like the connect you weren't connecting the challenge with the value that it was essentially based on. And I'm, I, wanna, I wonder if we could try again something that was closer. And I think also you, you might have picked the challenge based on how important it was to the world, but not how important it was to you personally.
0: Mm-mm.
1: And while in an abstract sense, or intellectually, you might say, well, if it's important to the world, it's important to me. But that doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to hit you at the gut. And this is me speculating, but I think a lot of people think that they devalue what matters to them because if it's not big enough, then maybe people won't consider, they'll think there's all these things in the world and all Josh is doing is this little thing. But I think it's more important to start with what matters to the person and however small it is, because I think then they'll feel a greater reward if it's... their thing and I wonder if there's something that might well there's a couple ways to go one is to think if there's something related to uh, playing soccer on the field when you're a kid or on the discovery of nature your thing if there's something however small however insignificant to anyone else's perspective but still meaningful to you yeah or alternatively is there another connection to the environment that might come up that might another you know answer to the question of when you think about the environment what do you think about yeah and I wonder if that might lead to another thing that you could do that yeah, might be maybe. more visceral. I could than... come up
0: with a couple, I think. I mean, I think about... Yeah, I spent a couple of years working on or helping basically volunteering with uh, with some plastic pollution projects. And uh, I sailed around uh, with a uh, an organization called Pangea Exploration that does scientific research on plastic pollution. And I was on this boat for... I did it a couple of times, and it was something I really started thinking a lot about. And and we were, you know, sampling ocean, you know, taking ocean samples in the middle of the Atlantic. And you know, we did one cell from the Azores to the Canaries, and another from Turks and Caicos to Florida. And I just was really exposed to. I spent a lot of time with scientists and with with activists who work on this issue. And. I, it's not that it wasn't apparent to me before, but it definitely made me more conscious about single-use plastic. I'm sure a lot of other things did, too, because in the intervening years, we talk a lot about more about um, single-use plastic and plastic in general. And so perhaps I do, I mean, I think it changed my behavior uh, on a number of being part of that, Ch- changed my behavior in probably unconscious and, and conscious ways. But that's one I could do. I mean, like, I already issue. Plastic bags when I go to the store, but i don 't there are definitely times when, especially if I haven 't prepared for it, I will just say okay i 'll you know I'll take one. I could swear that off in, entirely that could be something I do like as a conscious thing that connects as you say, to an experience that I had and something that 's very meaningful to me, which was you know like spending weeks being in the middle of the open ocean and and thinking about how much of the environment was. Under me and around me, and how it was changing because that's what I learned all so much about was how the zooplankton and phytoplankton were were dying and were cons- were actually consuming plastic and uh, in microplastics in particular, and how something like 85% of the world's oxygen is produced by plankton. And as a kid, again, maybe not such a savvy kid, but I always understood that. That oxygen was produced more by trees and by plants. Well, this, you know, and and when in fact it's so much of it is from the ocean, Uh, and so this changed my thinking around this this uh, a little bit around this, and and maybe is an opportunity for me to do more, perhaps, uh, on this issue as a as a consumer as an individual. Would that would that suffice? Is that along the lines of?
1: Now I can only tell from the outside. Only you know the connection between that experience in the past. And your behavior today, if that would feel like, if that connection would be very strong, if that would, like, would that likely... Okay, so jump forward to weeks or months from now. Yeah. You haven't seen me in a while. Yeah. And I hope you're not doing this for me. Well, a lot I of people mean, like I, I could, could say that
0: I probably wouldn't be being, you know, th- this conversation I'm doing for you. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, yes, I would hope that I would be moved otherwise. to, to And I think I have been to do some of this stuff. But I, I'm not an absolutist, you know. That's the thing. I, I make... I make rules for myself only in certain cases. And, you know, I, I think that... Uh, so it's hard for me sometimes to behave in this sort of... I'm swearing off this. You know, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I don't, like... I don't, I don't often... I don't have a lot of practice doing it. That's all.
1: Well, from the rule that I made up was that it has to have a measurable difference. It, the measure doesn't have to be made. It just has to be in principle. So if you simply lower the amount, as far as I'm concerned...
0: That, well, doesn't. in that case, perhaps, I think I've already succeeded. I mean, I have lowered the amount of... Mm. Uh, of but but I guess, yes, I did... I did. If, if I should have said then I want to lower the amount of red meat and then I would have come back with a success.
1: <laughs> well, that, this, what I'm also looking for in the second conversation is I hope to create a joy. And for different people, it might be excitement or a thrill or, yeah. or a feeling of what I would say emotional reward, of enduring, you know... And I'm not reading that from you now mm, about oh, the right. meat. And that's what I want to get. Right. And because I believe that that's available to everyone. Yeah. yeah. I believe that something about clean air, clean water, and clean land is so in us yeah. that, we, that it's available to everyone. Anyone who's, who hears my voice now, as well as everyone who is not hearing my voice right now. Yeah. Something, if they do something to act on what for them clean air, clean water, clean land connects with, they'll feel great. They'll want to do it more. That's my, that's what's getting me going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that people have, the challenge for them is, is always along the lines of, well, that's great if I don't take a plastic bag and then the person behind me takes 20, you know, like, what good did I do? Or, you know, and so in that sense, I'm always, my reaction is always like, well, I'll do what I can and I will try. And then I will think about, you know, what, how I can use, my my purchasing power, my electra- my vote, my my advocacy in other ways to make bigger, big structural changes because that's where it's at. But as and and to, but I appreciate, of course. I mean, like, I should like talk to my friends about it. I should still try to do it less, and I do. I just, it's just about you know that those. I feel like you're asking, and you're not, but for like absolutist change, and and I realize I could just say. I will do less of this. I will endeavor not to do
1: it. I I believe that when you do it for your reasons, then doing it will feel good and you'll want to do it more. Yeah. And there is, in, in what you're saying, less than many, but still the feeling I'm picking up, like it's something, an obligation I have to do it. It is a distraction. And I think you'll, I hope for people to get away from that, not because I say so, but because they feel, wait a minute, this isn 't something I have to do, this is something I get to do, and if I really let myself roam free into uh, some future that I think would be everyone would love is that well, certainly for it to feel natural like for systems to change right now it 's swimming upstream they 're going to hand you the plastic bag because some manager said, "Give them a plastic bag because it makes them feel better yeah. and we don 't want them to think we 're being cheap on them, yeah. but also I think that people will enjoy. Uh, it was in my head and out of my head. Well, certainly there's a feeling of greater, doing something greater than yourself. Uh, contributing to a cause greater than yourself, greater than all of us, that, you benefit, that, that the world benefits from, that you benefit from personally, and that people feel like, this is great. This is something yeah. I want to do. This is something I get to do. This, I'm a part of the new way we do things. Yeah. Yeah. And there will be people who lag behind. Right now, almost everyone is lagging behind and almost no one's on the vanguard. But I think that eventually that will change, and I don't think. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I mean, I agree, and 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 I, it is satisfying for me to reject a plastic bag. So I'm that maybe that's it. Then maybe that's a good one. I mean, it's already built in, I think, to me. So
1: I'm not sure if the meat was as built in. Yeah, you, I mean, you know I, that- I
0: also think it's satisfying for me to reject meat. I just think you know, within both of these cases, it's something that that lapses from time to time, or there's like exceptions I make for myself. And like, just like you, the examples that you were giving of like the people who are calling for change, but then but then say, oh, it's okay for me to do it in this instance. Like I suffer from that for sure.
1: I have to say something for the listener. I, I get some feedback from listeners that I, th- I believe that I sound like I don't have that myself. And I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, there's like, I mean, from the very first time that I decided to go for a year without flying. And my sister, like a week later, not knowing that i decided this, said, Josh, why don't you join me and the kids? We're going to go to Japan. We got round trip tickets, 800 bucks. I was like, that's really cheap to go round trip to Tokyo. And I thought, my first thought was, I'm going to go. And then I thought, wait, I I did this thing. And then I thought, why don't I, I'll just start it after I get back. Uh Yeah. And then I thought, and okay, so I certainly know that feeling. In that case, I stuck with it. And I'm glad that I stuck with it. Yeah. Yes, I would have seen Tokyo. I may never see Tokyo again in my life. It's possible. But what I got in return, look, the amount of places in the world that I'm not gonna see in my lifetime is way more than Tokyo. Of course, I And mean, there's no possible way I can see everything. Yeah. And so I gained the feeling if I can't see everything, the best strategy for the best life that I can have, I think I sound kind of like a Buddhist here, is, is enjoy the moment where I am. And once I start enjoying where I am as much as possible, then I don't have to go somewhere. And then I can just go somewhere not that far away, and it's just as different because I know this place so well. So if I were to go hiking along the Appalachian Trail and I took a train to get there, that to me would be like going to the Amazon. Not because the Appalachian Trail is the Amazon, but nothing is the Amazon. And even one, the place I visit in the Amazon is not another place on the Amazon. And even that is not the Alps. And that is not… Sure.
0: I mean, but to your listener's point, I think like now you've given an example. Or oh, something. but
1: there's many things that, that there's many things that I get. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. I mean, uh, I get packaged food and when I get packaged food, I think to myself, I'm doing the same thing everyone else does. And I go, yeah, I'm doing it. I am buying this thing like my hot sauce. Well, the, the hot sauce has been around. I don't make hot sauce myself. The thing's going to run out. I guess it's so hot and spicy, this stuff. It's ghost peppers that it's like years old. It's from before the decision. It might be five years old, this jar, and I'm still not finished. But eventually it's going to finish. I'm going to get another jar of it. Probably. Maybe I'll learn how to make, I don't know. But there's some things that I buy and I think to myself, I'm doing what everyone else does. But I've moved the distance really far and I think that everyone can get there. Yes, you'll still always make these decisions. I'm not saying, no one, nothing I've ever said, despite what everyone hears, is about perfection. But, you can make the decision about like, I'm going to do this or not based on the average, what the average American does yeah. or based on what you want your legacy to be. You're still going to be making the same decision. Yeah. I don't mean you, but like I still make the same decision of, you know, I'm going to do this thing like here. I'm going to mail copies of my book. And here's these mailers yeah. that have plastic lined things. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure how to mail stuff. Otherwise I do that too. Yeah. The thing is that, I find more joy in challenging myself when it's long my values. And so that's, I still throw out garbage. It's less than once a year. That to me feels like a lot, but every piece of garbage I got. But it, that challenging is, I think, worth it. It's, well, sorry if I rambled.
0: And so, no, but for someone who thinks about how do we move as a society, I mean, the skeptical listener will say, you're having done this by yourself in a vacuum, has no impact, no real impact. But the impact comes from you influencing other people with your behavior, and that's
1: that's and, the also, and going to bigger and bigger things myself. Sure, I mean, yeah, I mean, First not
0: flying is it has it has an enormous enormous impact, of course. Yeah, and
1: and that came Somebody because I did something smaller
0: until you are able to influence other people to be more conscious about. Doing it. And even if the effect can only be measured to be one other person, but that's, one of, that's what groundswell is about. That's what, that's what social change is about.
1: Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews. But even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Wow. The reason I could go for a year without flying was I first went for a week without food packaging. Much, much smaller. But the experience of the food packaging enabled the not flying. And the one year without flying enabled the multiple years without flying. Yeah. So it's... A lot of people say little things add up when a lot of people do them. I won't argue with that, but I think the bigger effect is that little things enable people who do the little things to do bigger things themselves. Yeah,
0: okay, fair enough.
1: It's I'm, both.
0: I, it's both, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think, and I also agree with the notion that you have to, as you are trying to do, I think, come from a place not of, not of making people feel bad for when they fail, but feel good for when they succeed with these actions.
1: And, to, and for them to realize that, I think that the kids with the Mountain Dew teeth like the taste of Mountain Dew. And if you say, don't drink Mountain Dew, they say, but I like it. And I say, your teeth. And they're like, that's they don't feel that yep. in the moment. And I think people, I think we live in a world, walk down the street, you can see the garbage. That's our Mountain Dew teeth. And people aren't paying attention to that because yes. they're thinking of the, and, 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 and what, Paris last week hit 110 degrees. And my friend was telling me about how her daughter went there. And I was like, did she consider not going? Like, did she, con- like, she didn't connect the effect with the cause. She saw the, the Mountain Dew teeth and didn't think of the, the cause of the effect. And any one Mountain Dew doesn't cause the teeth to rot, but enough of it does.
0: You're yeah, looking at me like
1: no, something didn't no, make sense.
0: No, no, it all makes sense. I was just and, thinking about
1: that. And I want people to feel like, I want people to feel to get to where water tastes better than Mountain Dew, or, or at least in my case, Mountain Dew is, to me, it, it generates disgust. That's the emotion I feel. If someone offered me a Mountain Dew, there may not be money in the world to get me to drink it. I used to drink it. And that's how I feel about flying. I may fly again. I'm not sure. I want people to get there. I don't think there's anything special about me that somehow I have the ability to enjoy where I live more than anyone else. But I couldn't have done it without saying to myself, I'm not going to fly for a while. I'm going to stick with this one. But I can only do that because of the joy of the deliciousness that came from when I did the no-packaged food. So if someone says to me, look, all I'm going to do is I'm going to go with that straws for one day. I'll be like, great, that's, if that's your thing, if that means something to you, I think that that will lead you to do another day. And it'll get you off of, you talk about the myth, all these myths of, of nuclear proliferation, and there's these myths of, of that it's a chore, that it's a burden, that it's, you don't want to do it. That's, it seems that we don't choose rationally. Well,
0: I, what I do think is the, the problem, if we're going to talk only about positive incentives, which is, I think, uh, reasonable. I mean, I, I think about how, at the moment, and especially like the last decade of 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 uh, user culture and and techno like apps, technology, and all the things we've developed that have incentivized us to and made us celebrate this very harmful behavior in a in a way that I don't think we did before in quite the same way. So for you know, from both in terms of packaged food i mean the the sort of delivery market is just ex, just totally exploded in terms of how and and how everyone's just like so instinctively orders to delivery all over the world in ways that they hadn't before and all of the packaging that's associated with that and the carbon emission that's associated with delivering it and i think that that must have I don't know what it is, must have changed with these, with apps and with, with a lot of the technology that's made that so much more easy. And then with, you know, the Instagram type culture that like creates a new world of, of so-called foodies who almost fetishize their food, you know, we take pictures of it and we like, that's like half of people's news feeds in ways that, you know, I think exacerbates that and also didn't really perhaps exist in the same way before we were able, this is not something I've thought you know, studied or anything, but it just, this is my impression as a, as a, as a person that, 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 that's all of this is washing over me. This is what I, I feel like is happening. And, and then to flying, you know, similarly, I don't think, you know, I think about being a kid and how travel wasn't as easy anyway. So this obviously is part of this, but now, you know, a number of economic and political factors have made travel so easy and people today we walk around with celebrating the number of places we've been and, uh, your perspective on like, there are lots of places I would never go. And maybe that's actually quite great is stands in stark contrast to this, I think new and quite recent fetishization of, of travel in a way that's about accomplishing more places Mm -hmm. that I've fallen victim to as well. You know, I've, I've definitely like like to go see a new place as often as I can. I love it. I love traveling, but I also hate the way people talk about loving traveling, <laughs> including myself and I and I can see the effect of of that. So so these are the positive incentives we've created around uh harmful effects. So it 's interesting and and I think a, a great challenge to create the positive incentives around around not drinking mountain Dew, Dew around drinking water and around not getting on a plane. Um, I think we have accomplished it to some extent, but I think that 's the challenge that that is stands before you know you i, I think in the and well us I should say because i 'm on your side for for sure but i, I think uh you know it 's a little different with nuclear weapons because uh, I think it's it's easy enough to get people to agree that they don't want to be annihilated. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a matter of convincing them and helping them understand what needs to change to reduce that threat and how, in, well, as an initial matter, how they are threatened and how other people are threatened by the system that we are perpetuating.
1: Yeah, I like a lot of what you're saying. And I want to, there's a distinction that you're just going between positive and negative Reinforcement or incentives. And for me, it's more intrinsic versus extrinsic. That I hope to give people the intrinsic feeling of reward for acting on their values, on on their environmental values, so that it's coming from inside. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's no extrinsic... There's no... You don't need positive reinforcement to, like, change a kid's diaper. It, It smells bad. I guess you can make the smell go away. I guess the crying will stop. But really, there's something you just i can't say this as a parent, not being one, but I think that you want your kids safe and sound, you want you know you want your your legacy your 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 flesh and blood to be safe and and, yeah. and comfortable and healthy, and we don't need to gamify changing diapers or feeding babies
0: it's, well we, we might <laughs> i mean it is something it, you know I think the way a lot of disruptors and technologists are going is like. Anything could be gamified just the I mean,
1: We've done pretty well without it. Yeah, yeah um, I agree.
0: I, yeah, to me also, what you're speaking of is is isn't the incentive when you talk about what's coming from inside um, extrinsic versus you know intrinsic. It's all about the way I've always thought about it is just, and this sounds super hippy dippy, but like I mean, it's we're motivated by love. We're motivated by by preserving what we love by creating more of what we love and by helping what we love. So it's all about connecting our behavior to what we love and, and hoping and trying to connect that to, to, to these social goods.
1: I want to wrap it up right there. I can't say it any better. And I wonder if you'd be game for a third episode that time, unless we get really wrapped up in, in great conversation to keep it a little shorter. Uh, but to hear if your experience with, Plastics? Care to make it a smart goal, or, or do you want to keep it just acting on it and how how it feels best for you? Wait, what are my choices? Choice one is we wrap it up here and we just keep right. in touch as as friends and so oh, forth. Oh no, right. Choice two is that you um, come back for a third episode and it's you've you've mentioned plastic based on your ocean your ocean experience, yeah. and we make it a smart goal and you it doesn't have to be zero or right, 50% right. or just we make it somehow specific measurable achievable realistic and time bound. Yes. Or the other one is just we say you do your best based on your gut feel.
0: Well, I mean I think I'm already doing that one, the latter, doing my best based on my gut feel. So I mean I think it's only meaningful if we if I do create a specific target uh that I if I can, assuming I can measure it, but um I don't so I like that. Okay. And given that uh I live uh, like twelve steps away from well, from here, I think I should be able. To, it should be we should be able to do uh, do this again.
1: I'd be game for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, what would be a specific goal? Cool. Right. Right. It's fun. I'm, I'm like talking to a guy who like negotiates with the UN on goals, like I guess specific. Is...
0: <laughs> yeah, but I don't do it for me personally ever.
1: I don't know uh, how to. I imagine it's gotten into your system though. I mean, uh, I could say, say like like,
0: like one uh, like one bag a week. You know, then and then I can consciously. You know, take that one when I'm like really in need or something, and then chide myself into figuring out how to like. I guess I can't go shopping right now, or I guess I need to figure out a way to carry this some other way, and I should have brought my own bag this time, and I didn't, you know, this sort of thing. So that's let me let me make that my goal. That would be a challenge for sure. So,
1: So no more than a bag a week. Yeah. So if you if it's if you go week if you go from like Monday to Sunday. Then if you happen to get a bag on Tuesday, like, oh, this means I got to work hard this week.
0: Yeah, I'll define it to Sunday to Saturday. Let's...
1: Sunday, okay, so if it's if it's Sunday morning and you get a bag, you're like, oh, now I really got to work hard. Yeah. Exactly. Or maybe you'll be like, oh, great, now this is going to be a big mm-hmm. learning experience. And then if it's Friday or Saturday, you might think, and you haven't got a bag yet, you might be like, oh, I'm going to go out and get some takeout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Or we'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right, so how long do you think? This would say a month, a and month? Then
0: I can tr- try and
1: keep track better. Of it. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap up there, uh, ending with a bit of smart goals and logistics, but also on love and what this is, what, what motivates us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I believe that.
1: Well, Seth Sheldon, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I thanked Seth already during the conversation, but I'll call it here what I considered leadership that he showed, which was to allow himself to sound vulnerable to others, to share what others might call weakness or failure. I wouldn't call it failure, and I hope you wouldn't either, because how else do you learn? Speaking of learning, I learned again this time what I keep having to learn, which is to try to pick up on if someone is acting on what they care about internally versus what they think others will consider important, because there's a lot of people out there who they think if what I do isn't important by other people's standards, then it's not worth doing. Or maybe they'll laugh at me or not consider You know, there's so many people try and then others say, you haven't done it right or you're greenwashing or something like that. And it sets up this standard where people think they have to attain perfection. What I'm trying to get across here is just that you have to do your best, which is not the same as perfect. It's a much more attainable standard. It's also more genuine and authentic. I think in the long run, it will lead you, if you do your best on something that you really care about, It will lead you to enjoy what you're doing and you'll do more and more and more. He also preferred accountability. Leaders like accountability. It gets the job done. Non-leaders, I think they try to get away from accountability and responsibility. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering, I can make a difference. And Living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.